Welcome to a talk from St Saviour's Sunbury. We hope it blesses you. Hi, good morning everybody. My name's Shirley and I'm a member of the church family here. Um, and it's nice to see so many smiley faces. And I would just like to start by asking the question this morning, what on earth are you doing here? I mean, really, didn't you have somewhere better to go this morning or something better to do? You could have been now underneath your duvet, still sleeping. Um, you could have been lying in bed maybe with a nice cup of tea or coffee and reading the papers. You could have been watching Andrew Marr on the telly or Country File, you know, all of these things. But no, you chose to come here this morning. You made it. I don't know what went on in your house this morning. I don't know, you know whether you had the traditional Sunday morning row if you're in a family, but whatever, you came here. Well done. Well done for getting here. And I'd like you just to shake hands with the person next door to you, pat them on the back and just say, well done for getting here this morning. So this morning, we're looking at the last of the Ten Commandments, but perversely, that's the first one. So we're looking at the first commandment that really all the others hang on. So it's a really important commandment. Right at the beginning of Exodus... God starts telling us about the Ten Commandments by introducing himself to us. Have you ever met um, a famous person or someone who kind of expected you to know their name and you couldn't remember? Could you imagine if the Queen came in now through the back, crown, regalia, and she walked in and she said, I'll do my Queen accent now. Good morning, everybody. My name is Queen Elizabeth. She wouldn't. She would just expect you to know who she was. But what does it tell us about our God? That right at the beginning, he introduces himself to us. Back in Exodus, chapter 3, um, Moses was asked by God to rally the Israelites and go to Egypt. And Moses had a bit of a grump with God, really, and said, um, but the Israelites, my fellow Israelites, are never going to believe me. Who do I say has sent me? Um, they're never going to believe this fantastic story you're telling me. And God said... To Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. That's his name. That's how he introduces himself at the beginning of Exodus. It's written in the Bible as the Lord with capital letters, but that means I am who I am. 
So what does that tell us? What does that name tell us? Well, it tells us that he has no beginning and no end. He simply is. He is independent. And the entire creation of the universe depends entirely on him for its existence. He is constant. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is the absolute standard of truth and goodness. So having graciously reminded us of his name, he then goes on to remind us what he's done for us. And he says, I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Well, I've always wanted to go to Egypt. I've always wanted to do that trip down the Nile, you know, like Poirot did in his boat, without the murders, preferably. But I've always wanted to see the pyramids. So, you know, this bit doesn't apply to me because God did not rescue me from Egypt. But of course, there are lots of different types of Egypt, and Egypt can be in our head. There's lots of different types of slavery. We could be held captive this morning by guilt, regret, feelings of inadequacy, low self-esteem, pride. Whatever it is, God has the power to free us if we ask him. And I'm sure that many of us here this morning have experienced that freedom, that deliverance from things that have held us down and back. And if you haven't experienced that freedom, then get some prayer. There'll be someone to pray for you after the end of the service. Go and ask. Now, I've always thought that there's not enough chemistry taught in church, so I thought I'd just do a little something this morning. There's John, I've already warned, and Philip, you're not allowed to say anything. But, you know, this half of the congregation, could just someone call out if you know the chemical formula for water? This side, hydrogen peroxide? <laughs> So what is it, John? Well done, H2O2. Not very different, H2O, H2O2. This is the source of life. This bleaches your hair and kills you. Not much difference between them. Um, and it was interesting when I asked that question, or those questions, lost a lot of eye contact with you. <laughs> um, there was a lot of and a few slid down in their seats a little bit, you know, oh, look, there's that interesting thing on the floor. So it's a bit like being back in school when you're asked a question and you kind of hope someone else in the class knows the answer, and the minute they do, you can relax. Well, it's a bit like this with this Ten Commandments, the first of the Ten Commandments, because what does God say here? He says, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, God isn't asking a question, of course. It's a command. But the word he says at the beginning is you. And the bad news is it's not a corporate you. In Hebrew, that word was singular you. 
So you can't sit there and think, oh, someone else down along the row is holy and obedient, I'll be okay because they've got it sorted. I'm afraid it doesn't work like that because God is talking to you. So, you shall have no other gods before me. This whole time was a polytheistic time. There were all sorts of gods. And the people would kind of hedge their bets, have insurance, anything they thought they might want, the god of money, the god of a good harvest, they would just make them up. You could pop down to the local market and buy a god. Well, God was pretty cross about that, and he had something to say. And I'd like to read you a bit from Isaiah. It's in chapter 4, and I'm reading it from the message. And this is God speaking. He says, all those who make no God idols don't amount to a thing. They work so hard at making nothing. Who would bother making idols that can't do anything? The woodworker makes a handy, convenient no-god to worship whenever he is so inclined. Pretty stupid, wouldn't you say? Doesn't it occur to them to say here, I'm praying to a stick of wood? God says, have no other gods before me. And literally that means no other gods in front of my face. God is not interested in being displaced in any way. God will not put up with rivals. There can be no compromise on his uniqueness. God is not simply number one. He is the only one. Well, maybe some of you are thinking, phew, well, that's okay, Shirley, because I don't worship a stick. Um, I'm okay with this one. Well, are you? Am I? My God is what I love supremely. It's what I seek after day after day, worship, serve, and allow to control me. It maybe is worth asking ourselves, what do I think about and talk about the most? What takes up all my time and energy? What's my driving force, my controlling force? Is it God? Is it I am who I am, that God? When my son was little, I used to try and establish a bit of a routine. And one routine I had was I would feed him at one o'clock, getting down for a nap, so that at half past one, I was there in front of the telly. And what came on at half past one was Neighbours. <laughs> um, and really, most days, I was there, half past one, Neighbours. And I also used to go to a kind of Bible study with other mums from church who had children. And one of our constant moans at this group was, I never have time for a quiet time. You know, the children, the routines change, they're always interrupting, I can't do it. And we always used to say that. And then one day, I just felt the Holy Spirit whisper in my ear, 
but you always find time for neighbors. There's nothing wrong with neighbors. It's good to spend some time, but it's just worthwhile checking what your priorities are because we will always find time for the things and the people that we love. We must look beyond what is temporary and we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. And you know, Jesus spoke a lot about the commandments and he always took the commandment to a new level because Jesus wasn't so concerned about our actions so much as our motives, our thoughts and our attitudes. In Mark's gospel, we're told... One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Wow, really? Is that even possible? But what I'm beginning to learn and realize as I've been thinking about this and thinking about neighbors is that we cannot really fit God into our lives. We can't fit him into our lives because he's too big. He won't fit. And I think maybe I'm getting this the wrong way around. I have to fit my life into God. So how do I do that? How do we do that? Well, I think we need an attitude adjustment. We are not the center of the universe. I am not the center of the universe. <clears throat> it's not about us. God is the center. God is everything, and we need to fit our lives into God. And the wonderful thing is that because of Christ, we fit perfectly. He made us a perfect fit. Because of grace, we fit perfectly. God's plans for us are more wonderful than we can imagine. And we need to let God take control and enjoy the adventure that he's got planned for us. So, over the last few weeks, as we've been looking at the commandments, there can be no doubt, I think, in any of our minds that we have failed. We can't keep those commandments, especially the way that Jesus amplified on them, looking at our motives and our inward heart. So what happens when we get to heaven and we stand before God, knowing that we've messed up? Well, the other day I read this um, passage that was written by Spurgeon and as preacher who was preaching in the middle of the 1800s, and this is what he said. When the sinner is brought to the dock, that's you and me, Jesus appears there himself. 
He stands to answer the accusations. He points to his side, his hands, his feet, and challenges justice to bring anything against the sinners he represents. He pleads his blood and pleads so triumphantly that the judge proclaims, let them go their way, deliver them, for he has paid the ransom. Rejoice, believer, and prove that you are truly saved by being numbered with those who are new creations in him. So fix your eyes on God. Aim every day to live in him, fit into him. Put God first and everything else will fall into place. Amen. For more information about St Saviour's, please visit our website at www.stsaviourssunbury.org.uk. Thank you.